Sunday, 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 right here on twitch.tv slash Echoplex Media. It's the Plex, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Pacific and on into red light. We have the worst news in the week that no one else will cover. The Plex has it all. Conspiracy, right-wing nut jobs, Christian extremism, and Madison Star Moon. Tune in every Sunday at 7 p.m. Pacific at twitch.tv slash Echoplex Media and find our full schedule at echoplexmedia.com. When they actually spend their time listening to this show, what does it mean? It means we're winning.
everyone, welcome to Down Ballot. We do the show live every Tuesday, 7.30 p.m. Pacific, right here at twitch.tv slash echoplexmedia. This is our weekly local news roundup around the bay and around the state, usually. I am joined by my co-host, the councilman. Or, oh, I would, if I turned up your the level on the mixer, I would be joined by my co-host, the councilman. Am I there? Am I live? You are now here. Um, thanks very much, Producer Dave. As always, great to see you. Um, welcome, listener. Welcome, viewer. Uh, we're really excited to have both of you here tonight. Uh, my name is T-H-E underscore Councilman. That's where you can find me on Twitter. Um, and if you want to look for me anywhere else, I might be lurking behind your house, like scoping out the backyard, maybe trying to do some imminent domain to take it and put up an ADU that you don't want and charge, you know, uh, below market rent to some, you know, lovely teacher or someone in the community. Um, anyway, um, happy to be here tonight. Uh, ballots dropped this week, so it's a really exciting time here in the South Bay and just about all across California and across the uh, the nation. So I'm uh, looking forward to the midterm elections. We're going to do some ballot pop box bingo tonight um but we're, we also have a few stories that uh, popped up um very recently um that we definitely need to cover um that have a local tinge um whether you're local to the bay area or not um and then of course we would invite you to stick around if you're watching live um afterwards we have local love as always producer dave any uh, special guests for local love tonight we got a uh, guest ghosted so uh, it'll just be uh, it'll just be a couple of us sitting around playing some local lo- some actual the music videos from uh, some of the music that we have in the library here we went around when made sure we had a bunch of that to play so um yeah it'll be a it'll be just a not not an interview so <laughs> a full show of music 99 percent of it rebels camp yeah. uh so please tune in that's correct please tune in as always and uh and please keep downloading the podcast sharing with your friends but we always love live twitch uh viewers uh we want to get some subscriptions up in there we want to get you going to the patreon and giving us money because we need a couple uh shill bucks here and there keep the things rolling and to, to have all the bells and whistles that producer Dave needs to produce a fantastic show. As you know, uh, we're going to do it eventually do a show about how great this show sounds. So, uh, just look forward to that. Um, and, uh, yeah, we can jump right into it if you're ready. Yep. What's this first story? Well, um, we were just going to focus on South Bay politics and the election coming up, uh, this, uh, fall or the, in November. Uh, but, uh, just yesterday, uh, some, a scandalo broke, uh, in Los Angeles with their city council and uh, absolutely something I think we need to be uh, looking at. The, apparently, uh, as ha- is wont to happen, some council members were in a phone call, a little uh, chat uh, conference call with uh, the local labor federation leader and uh, all of them are uh, Latino uh, and it does make, it does make it a, a difference. Um, they were having a very racially tinged conversation, so I would say, a very open conversation that was recorded apparently and then leaked to the press um, about uh, you know, their frustrations with fellow Latino council members, with uh, black council members and constituents, with gay white council members who have black adopted children. Um, it, it got pretty uh, pretty in depth. It was a wide ranging conversation. The media got a hold of it and published a lot of it. And now there is a, a wide uh, ranging cry for uh, most of these folks to step down if they haven't already and to resign. Uh, including all the way up to President Joe Biden now apparently is calling for some res- for some heads to roll. So, without further ado, this is uh, sort of a live report from uh, ABC7 down there in Los Angeles about what's going on today, because they had a city council meeting today, of course. 
and Nuri Martinez. She stepped down as council president yesterday. City leaders and the public said that wasn't enough. Today, she took a leave of absence. The consensus, that's still not enough. The calls continue for Nuri Martinez, Gil Cedillo, Kevin DeLeon to resign. Anger over what was said by three Los Angeles City Council members, including the now former council president on that released audio recording, spilled over into the council chamber Tuesday. Made worse, according to attendees and other council members, that Gil Cedillo, Nuri Martinez, and Kevin DeLeon haven't resigned. These four individuals have possibly damaged the decades of intentional and difficult work of building multiracial understanding and solidarity among black and Latinx communities. And we have been trusting you and you've been breaking our trust and we cannot keep having this happen. At one point, Cedillo and DeLeon took their seats in the council chamber, but the public in attendance would not come to order, even though Councilman Mitch O'Farrell tried. Things got louder, tense, and minutes later, Cedillo and DeLeon left the room not to be seen again. Bringing the council chamber under control, an emotional speech from council member Mike Bonin, whose family has found themselves at the center of this scandal, but not because they did anything, rather because of the racist remarks said about their young black son. On these tapes, I have heard the worst of what Los Angeles is. From you, I am hearing and I'm seeing what the best of Los Angeles is. Not at the meeting, Nuri Martinez, who issued another statement saying, this has been one of the most difficult times of my life and I recognize oh, you poor dear. entirely of my own making. At this moment, I need to take a leave of absence and take some time to have an honest and heartfelt conversation with my family, my constituents, and community leaders. The council members in attendance agreed all three must resign in order for the city to heal. You deserved better. We deserve better. The people of Los Angeles deserve better. The court of public opinion has rendered a verdict, and the verdict is they all must resign. Can you pause really quick? Attorney General Rob Bonta. Just uh, going back to Mitch O'Farrell there on the council, he's absolutely loving this um, simply because he has been sort of the whipping boy for uh, progressives in the left and, and uh, you know, everyone in the, the people's uh, LA city council, if you follow them on Twitter, um, he's been their whipping boy for a long time now. So I think he's probably overjoyed to not have to worry about that for at least a day. Just saying today that his office is investigating the scandal. Hello, I'm Mark Brown. Get more great ABC7 content by clicking the subscribe button for our YouTube channel. Sure. And download we'll go ABC7. Do that. So <clears throat> I saw that on there and I was like, do we want to play the tapes? And I'm like, no, people can go check out the tapes themselves. <clears throat> yeah. There's some stuff on there where I'm not, whereas I'm not worried about it violating Twitch's terms of service because it's newsworthy and it wasn't like just straight up like slurs. Um, it is mm -hmm. stuff that I'm not really interested in having on my channel and on my podcast. Um, right. And so people, it's real easy to find. It's real bad. And if you're interested in it, I suggest you go check it out. I'm not saying you shouldn't check it out. I'm just telling you, you're not going to check it out here. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I wouldn't recommend running it anyway. There's no need to, to replay it. It's disgusting. And that's uh, exactly why. That's one reason why you shouldn't replay it. Um, but uh so heads are rolling at the city council level down there in Los Angeles. It's interesting. It, it's it's uh, uh, the Labor Federation chair has already resigned, or uh, the executive officer, whatever his position was, has already resigned. Um, and uh, Kevin DeLeon and Gil Cedillo, who go way back, they served in the the state legislature together. Um, it's it's not terribly surprising um, that they, in particular, are caught up in this.
um they, they've uh you know they've, they've made a lot of enemies they've made a lot of friends they're definitely lifers um but they do look at this in a very cynical way i think uh, as politicians and look at look at elections and electoral politics and, and government in a very cynical way so, so for and for, uh, for fuck's sake if you're on a conference call just assume everyone on the conference call is recording you if you're an elected official or any kind of public figure at all like this is just the only way to do a conference call also, don't say the things that the people on the conference call said because it makes you look like an asshole because you are one. So <laughs> for don't sure. be I mean, an asshole. The for- good wife and I are actually debating who, you know, who um, not debating, but just sort of uh, trying to, you know, uh, uh, speculate who uh, might have recorded this, right? Was it who might have leaked it, really? Was it uh, one of their staff? They record, you know, they record, maybe they record all their conversations and a staff member decided to leak it because it was just that bad. Um, definitely plausible um props to that staffer though if they did i hope they don't get retaliated against um but yeah assume that you're always being recorded if you're a public servant you should assume that you're always being recorded or someone's listening or someone's going to share whatever you said wrote thought you know you, you just you have to you have to hold yourself to a higher standard um even and if also if this things- is like if this is like how you think about people that are different than you and have different families than you don't run for office you fucking asshole sure no like uh you could just do it's, anything else with well, your life. Kevin DeLeon, Kevin DeLeon apparently can't do anything else because he's been everything at the elected level. Now he's back on the city council again. The guy ran for U.S. Senate, um, and now he's on the city council. So he's he's just dying for attention and dying for a role, um, as a lot of these folks are, um, these retreads. And Gil Cedillo, too. So uh, good riddance. Hopefully they do resign by tomorrow. Um, and, uh, yeah, hopefully we don't have to talk about this <laughs> Well, we won't have to cover the story again, but it definitely was uh, worth worth bringing up because it's it's leading right into these elections. It, it it just underscores the distrust and the apathy and the uh, the even the, the hate that exists between the people in in our government right now. Um, and it's not getting any better. And situations like that don't don't help them. Don't help matters. Like for fuck's sake, if you live in Los Angeles and the two white people on your city council, they're ones telling you to not be a goddamn fucking racist all the time. You got problems. Yeah. You just got fucking yeah. problems. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Hundred percent. Agree. Um, but like I said, we're le- uh, leading into the election. It's not the best look, right, for government. Um, for folks who are already kind of checked out and like my vote doesn't matter or you know I can't fix what's broken. Um, but despite all of that. The registrar voters and uh, and all the folks behind our elections are getting ready, gearing up, and getting ready to serve you. So get ready to vote, everyone. Well, on this holiday in Santa Clara County, most government offices are closed. But that's not the case for the registrar of voters, because today is the deadline to get all mail-in ballots sent out. It is a busy time at the Santa Clara County Registrar of Voters. The ballots for the November 8th election are now on their way to potential voters, and so are the localized information pamphlets on the candidates and issues. All of the Englishes are going out. It is about a million books. And then afterwards, we will be sending out in you know, languages that we receive. There are Spanish, Chinese, Vietnamese, and Tagalog. Would you vote by mail? Uh, no. Not unless I had to. While many voters we talked to expressed confidence in the mail-in ballot system, some say they worry about... We're going to focus on this dude instead. He probably lives some. in Willow Glen. Right. Some people say... ...tampering or behind-the-scenes voter manipulation. 
Uh, I just think that there might be an area, a gray area there where people are voting that aren't, ne aren't necessarily using their own judgment or um, they're kind of being forced to vote when they really haven't studied the issues. South Bay State Assemblyman Evan Lowe, who conducted a state audit on Registrar of Voters, says it's still important to give every eligible voter a ballot and that the mail-in ballot process is clean. There are no conclusive findings time after time from the state or the local registrars that there is any type of tampering to the magnitude that would change the outcome of these elections. The Registrar of Voters says anyone who doesn't get a ballot in the next week or so can contact her office. I don't want voters to worry. Ballots can be voided. No one is going to vote your ballot and have your ballot counted. You can get a replacement ballot. Well, maybe the biggest worry for the upcoming election is voter apathy. In Santa Clara County, only 35% of the eligible voters actually cast ballots in June. So election officials are quick to point out that means only a third of the voters made all the decisions for everyone else. In San Jose, Robert Honda, NBC, Bay Area News. I mean, in a place like Santa Clara County, I could see why people wouldn't want to vote. Like, everything is just kind of, it's like always the same here. Like, nothing changes. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's just on this, like, slow trajectory toward being the uh, county that destroyed the world. And so, like... <laughs> I guess it appears that way when you look at... Um and uh well I, I think if you take the long view maybe not but it's unfortunately uh it's taking a long time for us to to get to the long view in santa clara county um but it does actually matter these elections do matter and the the decisions that are on your ballot um have a direct impact on uh on our lives here i can think of you know a couple uh elections in particular you know measure b back in 2010 uh which was uh, the original pension reform uh measure that was supposed to solve the city's finances and and uh, reform our, our broken pension system because God forbid we pay public employees what they're worth even after they retire so that they can at least live, com live their last few days out comfortably after serving the public in thankless jobs for 30 or 40 years. Um, every, you know, 75, 70 percent of the, of the city voted in favor of uh, cutting those pensions and, and cutting those back without uh, you know, a negotiated agreement with the uh, public employees. It caused a mass exodus of city employees, and we still haven't recovered from that. Um, and uh, it also co caused animosity between the city and its employees, the city and the people. Um, and we haven't recovered from that either. Uh, so San Jose is now like a, 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 a not desirable employer, right? Not a desirable place to work. We can't pay our employees enough uh, to keep them here. And we lose all the best talent to somewhere else. And that talent could be used to make San Jose the city we all want it to be, the, the city that uh, with all this potential, right? And not just this long slog towards the middle or towards the, the end or the lowest common denominator. Um, so uh, it, it does matter who's in charge because those folks make the decisions um, that uh, can take us one way or the other. Um, and, uh, and in a major, in, in ways that impact us directly on a daily basis that you can feel in your daily life, not like the federal government or state government sometimes where it takes a while to trickle down um, or you really don't feel the impact. You really feel the impacts of local government. So pay attention to those races. Don't necessarily get distracted by the shiny thing at the top of the ballot. Yeah, I I don't know. I can just see why people here would just... It's like for a, like a... Okay, so first of all, like historically in California and in the United States, uh, people of lower socioeconomic class voted a lower rate anyway. <clears throat> and the the... the 
the gap here in Santa Clara County between like different socioeconomic classes is so dramatic that I just feel like, you know, the people in the lower socioeconomic classes just don't vote. They have the, you know, whatever reason. Um, but then like the people in the middle and the higher socioeconomic class, why the fuck do they care? Their house is like worth like 20 times what they paid for it in 1981. They like, like, you know what I'm saying? They like, they're, they're, why, why do they care? Like, why do they care who the mayor is? Like, why do they care? Well, if you believe, if you believe certain mayoral candidates, their, their property values are at stake in this election, right? The, the public safety is at risk and the uh, public safety goes downhill. Then their property values go down. If, um, all those homeless encampments that are surrounding their homes, right. That's causing, it's going to cause their property values to go down. So if you believe the candidates and you believe the, the rhetoric, then yeah, um, it, it, they do have something, they do have a stake in the game, which is actually why they vote. Property owners vote uh, uh, on a, a predominant basis. I mean, they, they're the, they are the predominant uh, class of voters that we see almost every election, especially in primary elections, especially in off, quote unquote, off year or midterm elections, right? Or special elections. The majority of the voters are white male homeowners, you know, or, uh, or property owners um, or just white property owners, period. Uh, but of course, the world is pretty sexist, so it doesn't really matter. Um, and yet, you know, in, in November elections, in general elections, you do see a higher tick of lower income voters, uh, voters of color, uh, you know, uh, but uh, it, it's pretty much just, uh, bringing everything into balance, not necessarily uh, leveraging the full power of that voter base. Um, you still have a very large contingent of white property owners that are swaying the ballot. And speaking of white property owners, that's the next group we're going to be uh, digging into here uh, on Down Ballot Watch. Oh, I couldn't believe this when I saw it on the Town Ballot um, docket. I was like, what do you mean rumble? What is rumble all right. over the Town Ballot docket? Well, it turns out that it's the Silicon Valley Association of Republican Women Voters, or of Republican Women, they want you to run for school board. This first video is clearly an hour and 20-something minutes, so we're not going to watch the whole thing. Not at all. So these are all links to their their meetings, which are all accessible online on Rumble, as as you can see, uh, and you can ch visit their website. This is a group um, that's uh, based, I think, out of Almaden, um, and we're very big supporters of you know our friends like Johnny Camus and others like that, um, and they are backing Matt Mahan for mayor, by the way. Um, so they they have uh, taken it upon themselves to uh, try to influence local school boards by getting a. a friends of their friends elected. Um, so they're taking all comers and they've taken all comers and they have gotten a bunch of, uh, I would say, I guess, or I guess president Biden would say even MAGA Republicans, uh, to to file and run for school board in a lot of different districts and basically stir the shitstorm and force, uh, progressives and these candidates and incumbents, democratic incumbents to, you know, uh, try to outflank them and spend a bunch of money and time, uh, to, to do that. So, um, and it might be successful in some races where it's just very low awareness. Anyway, so this is sort of a, a smattering of their meetings. We can watch the literally watch the first couple minutes. Um, I, I peruse them uh, just to get a, a sampling of what they've been doing to influence uh, folks to get to get involved and to get in, uh, involved in, in in flipping school boards throughout Silicon Valley and San Jose. All right, on down ballot from Rumble. This is the uh, <laughs> Silicon Valley Association of Republican Women. Oh I'll tell God. you when you can cut it. You'll, you'll probably know. everybody to this, um, I call it a training class on critical race theory. And this class is focused uh, for information for parents and community members. 
Elena will do a second class on October 21st, and that is really focused on uh, school board trustees, candidates who are running for school board, and who need a different perspective on this, because it is just rampant in all these schools, this, this Marxist stuff. <laughs> the Valley Association of Republican Women, and uh, we are on a on a mission to find people to run for school board because once Elena is done, if you had no clue that what this Marxist theology is being taught in our schools, uh, we need we need to have people on the on the school boards. This that is amazing. Will, you know, yes. gather with the parents and make yeah. changes to the curriculum. Wait, what? Marxist theology. So, Where does yeah. she think Mar the curriculum comes from? Mar Marxist theology, obviously, because Marx Marx was such a so big on religion. <laughs> you know anybody who's interested in learning more about running for school board? I didn't say running. I said learning more about running for school board or volunteering to help a candidate who is running for school board. Please go to our website at SVARW, and there's a tab uh, uh s-v-a-r-w she didn't say dot com but it's on her um it's on the slideshow graphic design is her passion it says Absolutely. running for school board Calibri. so there uh, an individual can put their name on a uh, a list to learn more to be invited to the next informational meeting so with that i'm going to introduce wendy Brukwinski, oh, I bet Wendy's great. Our first VP, and uh, take it away, Wendy. Take Thanks, away, Wendy. Jan. I'm here to introduce Elena Ooh. Kaplan. She's the president Wait, and co-founder. Why are you? Why did you introduce Wendy then? Why Wendy's here to introduce Elena? Yeah, exactly. Says, Wendy's probably like the, the program's chair. Constructive Ethnic Studies, which is a nonpartisan grassroots coalition working to remove political agendas from K through 12 ethnic studies and instead replace it with curricula that inspires respect, fights racism and fosters balance, constructive analysis in the area of ethnic studies. Alina's managed <laughs> the ethnic studies are too political. Oh no! Yeah, you need to respect recently, white people. She led the social services division of Mid Penn Housing, one of California's largest affordable housing nonprofits, where she supervised the delivery of social services and cultural programming for a wide spectrum of low-income ethnic groups, from children through seniors. Before that, Alina served as chief program officer at the Oshman Family Jewish Community Center. She served on over a dozen Jewish boards and committees, including Limud Bay Area, Jewish Day Schools, Bureau of Jewish Education, Jewish Family and Children's Services, Jewish Community Relations Council, and multiple Jewish Community Federation committees. Alina holds an MBA from Stanford and a now who is Alina here to introduce math and computer sciences from and she's Duke. the speaker so she comes quite well educated prior to the nonprofit world, all this just Alina proves that even Wacko is going to have a great resume leading the team at Oracle that created the first graphical user interface to a database we're very fortunate to have Alina with us tonight as she's become quite famous later on in the program I'll post in chat a great interview she had with Bill Hemmer on Fox News interesting one for her, where she describes <laughs> eerie similarities between what she learned as a child in the Soviet Union 
compared to what kids are learning in schools today here in America. Oh, oh no. And then I'll post another <laughs> clip where Alina is earning her chops as a domestic terrorist speaking out before the Orange County Board of Education on critical race theory. Bold, determined, brave. Please welcome Alina. Wow, Wendy, that's quite an introduction. Now I got to make sure I live up to this. Um, thank just, you. Just so talk about much just just. I can't even say what you should just bust out. Thank you both to Wendy and to Jan for having me to talk on this really really important topic. Um, I wanted to tell you before we dive in. I wanted to tell you a little bit about how I got started in this. Um, oh, also, it's kind of cool for me to see a couple of familiar faces in here. Hi, Larissa. Um, so actually, I also wanted to let you know to please enter your questions into the chat as I think Wendy- No, for a minute, I thought she was going to leave. Did you see that? Um, He's like, actually, bye. <laughs> I got to go pee. I'm not going to be able to get to everything today, but when um, whatever you feel like we didn't get to, please feel free to email us. And that will be both in the chat and we'll follow up. The format today is going to be, we'll do, we'll go through a presentation, we'll go through the basic concepts, and then we'll open it up to q and I have a feeling there will be lots and lots of questions. So we'll leave. Okay. We can actually wrap, wrap up this video, I think. So, I don't necessarily want to hear what she's talking about. Yeah, they had, so they, the introduction to her was good and kind of like what, um, what the lady was saying about how, uh, like communism was going to communism on us was right. funny. Well, here's, here's more about the communism that's infecting our local schools from the Silicon Valley Association of Republican Women. So here's another, yeah, another video. It's on Rumble. You can hit uh, bang down ballot in the chat and you can get the, uh, the, uh, the docket also like in the show notes for the pod, you'll be able to grab our story list. These are good. We might just sit here and watch these all the way through, like not you and me right now, but I might like one night, late night at, during chat, like one in the morning, I'm going to be like, all right, everybody. Oh, I can't believe I didn't introduce you to this group earlier. Honestly, uh, this is, this has been a known commodity. Um, so I'm glad, I'm glad I'm, you're getting to it now. Hmm. Hey now. Rumble, not known for their reliable uh, video hosting. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Looting. Oh, well, oh, hold darn, on. we don't get to hear about the transgender agenda. Oh, there we go. Hold on. We'll Take refresh it again here. We'll, we'll, we'll try here. Technology, everybody. Technology. Technology. Oh, oh it's yeah, an ad. Oh, oh, that makes sense. Rude. Rude now rumble. There we go. Close the ad. Here we go. Thank you so much, uh, yes. Jan and Wendy, um, and Wendy, Silicon again. Valley Association of Republican Women for permitting me to speak tonight. Wait, mind and body are just separate and distinct. Wait, oh no. On this very important oh, it's gonna subject get good. that should concern everyone. Oh, this is the one. Sure winner, winner, chicken I dinner. I heard what I'm about to say three years ago that I would have believed it. But what I'm going to speak about is absolutely the truth. And you're going to hear it actually out of the mouths of some of these teachers. I apologize in advance because some of the things that I'm going to talk about are going to shock and disturb. if you're listening to the pod, you definitely have to check out the video. All this information because I you find it on YouTube, Rumble, Children, <laughs> public, Odyssey, or maybe private, Facebook. Sadly, in our state, as in the rest of the country, are in serious danger. Um, so let me tell you a little bit more about myself. Don't hold it against me, but I'm a registered Democrat, and I will remain as such but I will vote straight Republican party in 2022. All right, well, good for you. As should any parent who knows how the democratic party is pushing the gender ideology on children. 
I am here to employ, implore the Republican Party to make gender ideology, CRT, and ethnic studies their platform in the next election season. I'm hoping that conservatives will take over all the school boards. They have to to ensure um, that our children are no longer indoctrinated with gender ideology. So why did I get involved in this issue? Well, I have yes, a really why? close family member who has a daughter who identified as a boy for the last couple of years. Uh, thankfully, this young teenager is now back to identifying as a girl. Oh. Um, and that was the oh. same identity that she had her entire childhood. When it changed was after teen talk at her public school. Teen talk is given to seventh graders. That's 11 and 12 year olds. They are given 12 lessons of teen talk. Teen talk is supposed to be about comprehensive sexual health. Let me have that sink sink in again, 12 lessons. That means nine hours of instruction about sexual education. Okay. After this teen talk, my friend's daughter and five of her friends came home and they all adopted an LGBTQ label. <laughs> These labels ran from- This is like boilerplate. This is, do you know how many people mm-hmm. I've seen on Twitter say the same thing about their friend? She's mm-hmm. reading off a script. Like this oh, is, sure. they all say that they never say it happened to their own kid. It's always their friend. Where's the fucking person whose kid this, you know, maybe the parents, if, if this kid exists, maybe the parents are just chill with it. Right. Maybe the parents are right. like, Oh, okay. You know, whatever. Yeah. Whatever, whatever you're feeling. It's all good. <laughs> um, yeah. That, that, how long is this? This one that goes on for quite a while too, I think. Yeah. It's going to be a hundred years, but I want to, I want to, I want to listen Lesbian, to more of this. Non-binary. Not one of these girls want it to be in their words cis or basic or straight or normal whatever well i mean one of those things is not like the other basic is like a like a basically it's a it's an assessment of your fucking fashion and lifestyle choices it really doesn't have anything to do with being transgender or cisgender or or non-binary or gay or straight it has not like basic well this karen really can't make that kind of nuanced distinction can she it is pumpkin spice season whatever word we want to use might it been might it be because these white girls were taught that being straight and being white is oppressive most likely so these girls were and teen talk sounds pretty based uh, seriously my relative was where I feel oppressive the being white these girls and not male. Only adopted these new labels these lbgtq labels but they started <laughs> to change their pronouns and they charted, started to change their names. They cut their hair. So this mom decided to go to Teen Talk for the parents. And she asked me to accompany her. So I went. What was taught was jaw-dropping. The, fir- the first pass-out that was given to the parents uh, in this Teen Talk was called the Genderbread Man. I don't know if anybody's seen the genderbred man. Oh, it's adorable. Um, it's this cute little gen- ginger. It looks like a, you know, gingerbread. Well, man. it's a genderbred person, ma'am. Excuse me. With ginger genitalia. And it has all sorts of little designs on it. And it was actually designed by a comedian. 
And this is what our schools are teaching sex ed based on. I'm sorry, my PowerPoint is not able to show the, show the photograph <laughs> of the genderbred man. Darn. Ah, oh, I love the genderbred oh, man. I just have to talk through it a little bit. You know why they're her, she doesn't want to show anybody the genderbred man? Because people might be like, you know what? That's actually adorable. I'm sorry, I, the genderbred. First of all, it's the genderbred person. One of the genderbred man points to the area of the body where our sexual organs are. And the way it describes that area of the body, it says maleness and femaleness. I don't know what that means. Those are simple Either concepts. Female or male. But that's not what our students were being taught, not what these 11 and 12 year olds were being taught. They were being taught that there's femaleness and maleness. And then there was a third category, okay, which is neither, which I'm assuming is DSDs. Those are people who have, um, have differences in their sexual development. These are mutations. These are not a, sex, uh, a separate sex category. But the, but the children, and I was taught that there's actually more categories than male and female for sex. Yes. Astounding. Well, yes. Um, yes. I have there are people who are intersex. Who is a teacher. Sounds like, the, sounds like this parent needed the education way more than the kids did. Listen to this. It's like this lady needed the education way more than the 12-year-olds. Like Her mind is blown. Yeah, I'm definitely going to listen to all of that one sometime late at night. That's pretty good. What's the next one we got here? We got a hundred percent. Well, this is as we're getting closer into uh, to the election here. They're actually doing uh, specific trainings and workshops for candidates on how to how to run for office. And I thought you'd enjoy this one just for fun. We'd check out just a, a little bit of it. Uh, how to design a school board campaign website. Oh, no, I fucking I hate web design, but I'm actually kind of good at it. So let's go. Using Squarespace. Oh, no. That's what my website's on. Welcome to uh, SVA. Maybe get some pointers. Oh, my God. Look at how many tabs this person has open. Building. Uh, Holy shit. Class, especially for people running for school board. And we're very. I wonder if this person thinks that if they close a tab, the website just goes away forever. Bookmarks, people. Bookmarks. Audio listeners on the podcast, you have to go check out the video for this. That's uh, just search for a down ballot podcast on uh, that's YouTube. At least, that's at least 40 or 50 tabs. Very at thankful least. for Greg uh, Holson for donating his time. And we are recording this so you can play it back multiple times. So, and if you Yay. have a question, put it in the chat. Put it in okay, the chat. and Greg will monitor the chat and answer questions as appropriate. Yeah, Greg's going to monitor right. the chat. Good, we're good to go. Good, well, well, fantastic. Thanks for the introduction. And here's Greg. If you anybody does, yeah, if anybody has those, I will try to get to the chats towards the end only so that I can make sure that Greg's like the kind of guy who still has webmaster on his business card. Keeping moving here to get you guys through this thing. So at least get you through the basics so that I can answer your questions at the end. So this is kind of, let me start here real quick. I'm just going to go right into it. And what I'll do is I'll, I'll talk to you as I go through things. But again, keep in mind that this is being recorded as mentioned be, so that you guys can always go. Whoa, back. look at all these. He is a webmaster. Look at all these I websites he controls. You guys can always right. go back and kind of re-listen to it over and over again and kind of figure it out. I try not to talk so fast that so you can't understand what I'm saying. 
So what we're going to do is we're going to go in real quickly. When you Thank go into you. Squarespace, you're just going to go to squarespace.com and you're going to get, it's going to ask you if you want to get started. And, you know, you, you'll probably say, yes, I want to go ahead and, and get started and, and start a new website. In this case, um, this I already have the dashboard of Squarespace. This guy's on the doll. So uh, on the take, the Squarespace take. But it's no different than Look at all those if things. you guys went in and just said start a Squarespace gives you 14 days to create a website without paying for it. So let's say at the end of the 14 days, you you just aren't, you're not done with it. And you're like, I really want to, you know, I, I don't want to lose it. You're not going to lose it with Squarespace. You're going to, they're going to give you 14 days to develop. And then what they're going to do is they're going to shut off your ability to edit the website any longer until you pay for it. Um, but that doesn't mean it goes away. So I think a lot of people have concerns that if they don't pay for it in 14 days, it's going to, it's going to just disappear from the planet. And it's, that's not the case, but you won't be able to do anything. Keep so the tab open. It never goes anywhere. <laughs> because I'm a Squarespace developer, uh, I'm going to, let me go figure out another template. Because I'm a Squarespace, um, is, by that, by that they, you mean you have an account? Me, weirdly enough, six months to develop it. I don't know why they go from 14 days to six months, but they he do. could be like a preferred developer. So, Maybe they have um, an agreement we're or something. Go in here real quick about. It. They're going to ask you the same thing when you go in. They're going to ask you what bulk. your site is about. And in this case, is because it kind of makes sense. Let's do. Let's pick politics. So we're going to go ahead and just quick next, and we're going to you're going to tell them what you want to do on it. Oh no! Um, you're going to. I did none of this. No, no, I would not. No, uh. -uh. I'm like, show me the templates. That one looks great with party. Event or a project because you're probably going to be out maybe speaking or something like that. You definitely want to offer a contact form. Uh, you may or may not want to sell products. Maybe you do. Maybe you want to. Let's, let's say let's stay out of that for a moment because that's going to be a whole web store and it's a whole different deal. But if you do want to sell products and you want to check that, and it'll what it'll do is install a website on your, maybe it'll sell a store on your website. The whole thing's installed. Uh, we're not going to sell on-demand videos. We are going to build community. Um, we're not going to sell online courses. We are going to collect donations most likely. Um, not sell service. We're going to showcase maybe showcase some of our work maybe uh, and market myself. And we're going to. You know, maybe we'll do some get appointments. Maybe we'll do that. So, oh no, and then go maybe a little say, bit of that. You know, where are you in the process? Essentially, is well, I'm just kind of thinking about it a little bit, but uh, you know, you're, I'm going to grow an existing business, formalize an idea or project. So, it's just kind of getting a feeling of where you are, <laughs> where you're at right now. And this is great. I would just go ahead and just say, place my, my site with one from Squarespace, um, just because it's it kind of gives you, it kind of tells you you're ready to go. And so what it's going to do is it's going to give you an opportunity here. It's kind of figured out what templates make pretty good sense for you as somebody that's going to run in politics, maybe. <clears throat> and don't get too worried about these, the, picking the wrong one, because honestly, for the most part, the, the way Squarespace is built, it's built on, think about building it in bricks. Um, essentially, Squarespace has bricks. And what they've done is they've simply reordered the bricks to give you a sort of a pre-built house, if you will. Um, but don't get too worried about that because maybe you get into the middle of it. All right, that's enough of that. Sure that that's enough of that. Yeah, yeah. That was that yeah. was that's my favorite one so far though. It's gonna be it's gonna get real good. It's gonna get real good. Okay. Uh, and then there's one more um we can just watch the intro to it and then I I want to get to our, our ballot box bingo items. But yeah, let's say <laughs> watch the intro to this one. Yeah, for sure. After, this, after the ad, of course. This is amazing. I'm gonna. I, I'm definitely gonna do a deep dive on uh, their Rumble channel. There's so everybody. many more. We've got uh, our school board candidates and helpers online, and Michael Hogan is is here to talk to us about 
what is important for you to write in your platform? And uh, he's going to provide some really interesting information as he's previewed to us. So we'll get started. Michael, take it away. Thank you, Jan and Wendy. Uh, First of all, thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be with this group. Uh, I speak to you as somebody who's who's a conservative and somebody who served on a school board in Sonoma County. And uh, what I want to talk about tonight primarily is getting elected. I have confidence that each of you- Just win, baby. This is the just win, baby speech. On the school board when elected, but the first hurdle is to get elected. And so that's- that's I don't have confidence that they'll do well once they get elected. How to govern, not what the the school board meetings are like, but how are you going to get elected? Now, I have two main elements to, to platforming. The first element is what I call proficiency standards. Now, many of you may know this, but I'm going to bore you and repeat it, that California in general spends more money per student than any other state in the nation, and really much more money. That's so patently false. Proficiency standards, whether they're measured in reading, in mathematics, in science, we measure near the bottom. We measure also false. As a state, aren't we like right in the middle? To fiftieth. Yes, I mean we're not. Yeah, we're not like excelling. We're not where we should be, but we're definitely not the worst. May not disturb some people in either of those categories. Thinking about the implications to your kids of being graduated and going out into a job market where their their proficiency ranks lower than any other state and lower than most nations. More. So what he's saying is to get elected, what you need to do is get people to believe this crap I'm telling you right now. And Malaysia. It's not that hard, frankly. Uh, That's where the jobs are are. going to go. The jobs are going to go to kids from places other than California. And does Jan know that she's on the camera and her speaker is not live in Silicon Valley? Many she might. And you see not (laughs) the kind of jobs that are available in the technology industry. And you see the massive number of kids coming out of our high schools that aren't prepared for any of them and will be outcompeted. So this is a long winded way of saying that proficiency is an issue that will resonate very highly with voters in any of your districts. So I urge you to lie to them, to talk to the superintendent of your district, who is not going to like this question, but ask him in detail how the students or her district stack up more often than not with either the state or the nation. And I'd preferably rather see the nation because that's where the results are most dismal. Yeah. Uh, You know, there's a website. You can actually look all this stuff up on the state. But you can look you up yourself. Doing, by spending the most money per student of any state in the nation, You're we not. should be doing extraordinarily well. All right. So this guy's just a liar. So I'm <clears> Yeah, and he's editorializing a lot. Like he's supposed to be telling these people how to win, and he's not really doing that. He's sort of talking about his personal opinions. Uh, about toast, Toastmasters, baby. Cool. Toastmasters. Right. Um, so uh, that's the Silicon Valley Association of Republican Women. Just a little sampling of their meetings. If you want to join, their meetings are um, open to the public. You have to register first, um, but you don't have to pay or anything to, to join the meetings. You do have to pay to be to attend their like public events and their dinners and stuff like that. But uh, it looks like it's free to attend if you want to just uh, hop on a Zoom and 
uh sounds like they take democrats too apparently according to that one that one uh lady who was on so you know don't feel worried about being exposed either just go and have fun check it out and if you see anything interesting send us a link and we will feature the clip and give you a shout out so what we got next is uh get your shit together this is going to be santa clara county get your shit together or Santa Clara, Santa the city, city of Santa Clara, and it's going to be about city. the 49ers because it's always about the 49ers because building a stadium in your city actually sucks for your city. Imagine that, especially if you're a small city or smaller city. So here's some, uh, I guess some of the local council people are just a little too, too copacetic, a little too, a little too friendly, friendly with uh, ye oldie 49ers. Absolutely. Start with a developing story. A new civil grand jury report is pointing the finger at multiple Santa Clara City Council members. They're being accused of putting the 49ers' interests ahead of the city's. Now, this report suggests that five of the seven Santa Clara City Council members may have violated city and state ethic laws. Allegedly, they acted and voted in a manner that favored the 49ers. For example, it pointed out that the group regularly meets with 49ers lobbyists in private. The report states that PACs affiliated with the Niners have also given millions of dollars to support two members up for re-election and Anthony Becker, who is challenging the current mayor. There is no unethical behavior. There is no unethical actions. Everything is done transparently. We are, you know, we have done nothing wrong. Uh, like, what is he supposed to say? He's supposed to be like, I've been acting completely unethically. I've broken many rules and, and many laws. And I believe the, the sheriff should actually come arrest me right now. The 49ers are awesome. They gave me money to say that they are awesome. <laughs> and I really enjoy having that money to win elections and to become the mayor because the 49ers are great. The witch uh, <laughs> by Mayor Gilmore trying to basically, go Niners. Uh, I think it's just desperation. Uh, it's basically abusing the legal system to basically uh, uh, further her narrative, which is that we are in the 49ers pocket. And that's false. Becker went on to say that he was surprised by the timing of the report ahead of next month's election. He called it political theater in support of incumbent Mayor Lisa Gilmore, who has clashed with the 49ers several times in the past. For her part, the mayor said the report is a wake-up call for the city and it needs to be cleaned up. Last night, she proposed an anti-corruption reform plan in light of the findings. The fact that the, um, the special interest 49er group has put millions of dollars into many of their campaigns and has um, uh, influenced both elections and their ultimate city council decisions is very troubling. And we are getting more reaction and from the 49ers. A spokesperson told KPIX, quote, this is a court. At least two members of the jury involved in creating this report have already been removed due to conflict. Oh, what a mess. I love it. They didn't even bother to interview three of the council members. They criticized, they prohibited one from speaking to a lawyer, and they pressured a council member to cast certain votes. Now, the Chronicle is reporting that the Santa Clara police chief asked the district attorney to launch an investigation into the report's most critical findings and the council's relationship with the Niners. What a shit show. I'm fucking here right. for it. I love that the best clips they can run behind her are just like 49ers, you know, gameplay. I mean, that's nothing to do really at all with this. Um, yeah, so this is nothing new since the Niners decided they were going to build their stadium in Santa Clara. Um, it's really nothing new since the, the Niners built their training facility and their, their uh, corporate offices in Santa Clara. This was coming for a, this has been coming for a long time. Um, so, yeah, uh, uh, you're either with them or you're against them. And if you're with them, you get plenty of money in your campaign coffers, um, whether you say it has any influence on you or not. Um, Anthony Becker, it's still a perceived, a perceived conflict of interest, right? It's still something where the public 
um, has a right to be uh, potentially skeptical of of uh, the relationship you have with the team, regardless of the reality. Frankly, like you could be the most up and up person in the world, but if you know if you're getting hundreds of thousands of dollars of support for your campaign in a city that has maybe you know fifty thousand registered voters, um, it's a big deal, right? And it it while it may not have any influence on you, it's not you know wrong at all for people to uh, to suspect that it might, right? Um, and who knows when it might. Uh, maybe it doesn't now. Maybe it will in the future. Um, maybe there will be other uh, opportunities for for you to step up uh, for the team in in different ways, right? Uh, other than you know big votes and things like that. So um, it's by it's you know it's buying something, whether or not it's a friendly face or an open door. Um, they're also spending big bucks in San Jose. We'll talk about that later, but um, yeah, in a future episode. But uh, spending hundreds of thousands of dollars to try to elect Cindy Chavez, mayor of San Jose. Um, primarily probably because they think she'd be a better partner to them than the other guy. Um, but that's that's how it rolls. And like you said, you, you build the stadium in your town and bad things are going to happen. And now um, it's it's pretty much the only thing in town now in Santa Clara, right? They've got a lot, of, they had a lot going for them uh, as a city beyond that. Um, but now with Great America closing soon and the stadium's really going to be the only game in town, um, it really dictates everything that goes on in that city. It's unfortunate, but uh, it's what they have to live with. Yeah, if you live in a, especially a small town and they like, here, let's put a big sports stadium here. You need to be like, no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and, and it's happened many, many times across the country. And in fact, you know, I, I'll, full disclosure, I'm a consultant. I worked on the campaign that <laughs> they got the stadium built in the first place. Um, so I know all the, the messaging and all the, the talking points that they used. And they even used, you know, success stories, quote unquote, from other small cities across America where this has happened, right? And they pointed to all the, sacrosanct agreements between the city and the team and frankly those agreements existed right the numbers were all there but it's a question of when it when rubber meets the road right is it do we actually follow the rules right yeah what and, actually happens correct and that's what's been happening lately is are the niners really playing on the up and up in terms of sharing the wealth and sharing the the reason the the profits and proceeds from the stadium um or are they holding back to some extent um and not fulfilling their end of the bargain in terms of, of filling the public coffers, which is the idea, right? You're supposed to have these stadiums so that they pay for uh, city services for all of your residents, right? The ones that like football and the ones that don't like football, the millions that don't like football, right? Um, you're, you're, you're providing great services for all of them because of the largesse of the stadium. Well, if they're not, if you're not reaping the largesse, then that's a problem. Um, so, but that's where the battle lines are drawn in Santa Clara. And now it's extending out to San Jose and other, other areas too. The Niners are becoming our, 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 another Google <laughs> yeah absolutely and i mean they're a big organization you would expect that they would also have interests in the neighboring cities and towns you know true i will point out that google's not spending anywhere near this kind of money in our local elections in san jose they're not putting their fingers on the scales at all um uh, i mean not, i don't say at all you, you know max donations maybe your 1400 dollar mayoral donation but not to the tune of like tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars um that the niners are shoveling out right now so um don't know if that's by design or if that's just how they, they don't generally do that kind of business, but um, it's interesting to point out. So let's move on to down ballot watch. These are all state propositions for the state of California. If you're in the state of California, these are going to be on your ballot. Is that right, Councilman? That is correct. And um, as we had, uh, I think last cycle, we found that Cal Matters, which is a local uh, or a local a state uh, blog and political um, uh, media outlet. Uh, they do fantastic breakdowns of all of the ballot measures um, uh, that hit, hit the statewide ballot. So if you're looking for uh, uh, good nonpartisan information, please check them out. 
Um, they say there are minutes, but really it's more like two minutes for each of them. Um, and we can run through the, the breakdowns. Most of these are pretty self-explanatory. There are a couple measures where we might want to editorialize a little bit, but in the interest of time, let's just run a, and run each one and we'll learn a little bit more about each thing that's on the ballot, uh, statewide ballot. The landscape of abortion access is rapidly shifting across the United States. Since the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade in June, ending a nearly 50-year-old constitutional right to abortion, Republican-led states have rushed to restrict the procedure or ban it altogether. California is moving even further in the opposite direction. This November, we'll be advancing a constitutional amendment. Democratic leaders want to make the state a sanctuary for abortion, welcoming patients from across the country who no longer can terminate their pregnancies at home. And now, California voters have a chance to enshrine reproductive rights in the state constitution. Hi, I'm Alexi Kosef, state capital reporter for CalMatters, and this is Proposition One in a Minute. Abortion access isn't going away in California anytime soon. The procedure has been legal here since 1967. Currently, you can get an abortion for any reason before a fetus is viable at about 24 weeks of pregnancy. California's constitution even includes a right to privacy that state courts have interpreted as protecting abortion. But with the end of Roe, Democratic leaders want greater assurances that abortion access won't be threatened by shifting political tides. They placed a state constitutional amendment before voters declaring that people have a right to choose to have an abortion and a right to choose or refuse contraceptives. Critics say the amendment would not offer any new protections and that it's merely a ploy to turn out liberal voters. But supporters argue an explicit guarantee of reproductive freedom is important in case legal interpretations of California's constitutional right to privacy change. Anti-abortion advocates also say the language is so broad that it would legalize late-term abortions beyond the 24-week point of viability. Proponents deny that. So vote yes if you want California to add a fundamental right to choose an abortion in the state constitution. Vote no if you don't. For more information on this proposition and others, visit Cal Yeah, that's a pretty good... Yeah, vote yes if you want to change it and vote no if you don't. So that's a pretty good. There you go. I, um, one, so One might be able to guess how sorry. I'm going to vote on this. So, <laughs> Yeah, we'll, we'll leave our endorsements for later maybe on, on, the, the state, on this particular measure. But um, pretty straightforward, right? Um, so I, I don't think uh, any more needs to be said about this issue that has been already. So uh, go, go uh, find out more and, and vote. Uh, so the next two measures are similar, um, but uh, promoted by different groups and put on the ballot by different groups. Um, and so we'll learn a little bit more about what they're uh, trying to do. Would you put money on Steph Curry or LeBron James? Want to bet on the Rams winning the Super Bowl again? In 2018, yeah. the Supreme Court allowed states to legalize commercial sports betting. Since then, more than half of U.S. states have made the move. Then came a flurry of initiatives to legalize sports betting in California. Two will appear on your ballot. Prop 27, funded by FanDuel, DraftKings, and other large gaming companies, would legalize online sports betting. We have a separate video for that. But there's another, Prop we'll 26. That. I'll explain. Hi, I'm Grace Getty, economy reporter at CalMatters, and I'm going to explain Prop 26 in a minute. Prop 26 would legalize sports betting at tribal casinos and at California's four horse race tracks. This prop, funded by several Native American tribes, would also allow tribal casinos to start offering roulette and dice games. If it passes, Prop 26 will allow anyone to sue for certain gaming law violations. Analysts estimate Prop 26 could generate tens of millions of dollars for the state annually, which would first fund schools and gambling regulation. Any money left over would go to the state's main fund and also fund things like mental health programs. 
Opponents are led by card rooms, which offer games like poker and paigao. They say this idea would trigger more lawsuits against them, leading to lost jobs and tax revenue. Supporters say it will increase tribal self-sufficiency and draw more business to tribal casinos. Vote yes if you want to allow sports betting at racetracks and tribal casinos. And you want tribal casinos to add roulette and dice games. Vote no if you do not. One not-so-small disclaimer. If both sports betting initiatives pass, it's possible both could go into effect. But in all likelihood, a court would have to decide. To learn more about this proposition and others, visit calmatters.org. To stay up to date on Cal- So <clears throat> I'm going to have to actually look at this one. I don't know. I'm not, a big, I'm not a big gambler myself, but I am a big fan of letting people entertain themselves however they want. So I'll, I'll have sure. to give it some thought. Let's look at the 27 video and get, learn more, more about that one and the differences between the two measures and probably a little bit more about what's behind it. Going to the end zone. In a lot of the country, if you watch the Super Bowl, odds are you saw ads for sports betting. A lot of them. Live in-game betting? Lady Luck? Yes, ma'am. Likes to gamble? But if you're in California, betting on sports, besides horse racing, is illegal, at least for now. In November, Californians will vote on two different initiatives to legalize sports betting. Prop 26, funded by Native American tribes, would legalize sports betting only at tribal casinos and horse racetracks. We have a separate video for that one. But then there's another, Prop 27. Hi, I'm Grace Getty, economy reporter with CalMatters, and I'm going to explain Prop 27 in a minute. Prop 27 would allow online sports betting outside of Native American tribal lands. It's backed by some of the biggest names in online sports betting. If the measure passes, tribes could offer online sports betting. Gaming companies could as well if they make a deal with a tribe. Operators would pay fees and taxes to the state. State analysts estimate Prop 27 could generate hundreds of millions of dollars annually for California. Most of that would be dedicated to homelessness and housing. 15% would go to Native American tribes that are not involved in sports betting. The measure also creates a new arm of the state justice department to regulate online sports wagering. Opponents say online sports betting could increase the risk of gambling addiction. They also argue the bulk of the profits would go to gaming companies in other states. Supporters say it would create permanent funding to remedy homelessness and would boost funds for tribes that don't offer sports betting. Vote yes if you want to legalize online sports betting. Vote no if you don't. And one not-so-small disclaimer. No, they gave if this disclaimer in the last one that if they both pass, there might be some like conflict, right. essentially, between the two bills, and then the courts Generally, would Generally, yeah. That happens a lot when there's a measure. Uh, it happens, not in this case, but usually when uh, there's a measure that's put on the ballot by like the legislature or the government itself, right? Or the city council, for example, in the city. Um, and then there's a citizen's initiative that's been you know, gathering signatures to get on the ballot uh, that way. Um, in those competing situations, generally speaking, one or the other is going to uh, uh, get uh, enforced because it gets more votes. In this particular case, I don't know if that's because uh, neither one of them is put on the ballot by the legislature. Uh, it's Yeah, it's going to come down to a, a judge probably trying to split the you know, baby from the bathwater or whatever the, the, <laughs> proper, the proper idiom is. Um, anyway, I, I tend to side with you, Producer Dave. I'm, I'm all for letting people do what they want um, within reason as long as aren't hurting other people, right? So gambling drugs, all these things, you know, legalize it all, frankly, and right. tax, I should living shit, tax the shit out of it, provide services for it, right? I like the idea of providing hou- housing and, uh, and homelessness services. The, the crux of the matter, though, is that 
both these measures are a little shady in terms of um, who's supporting them. There's, it's basically causing an uh, infighting amongst California tribes, as you can tell, the ones that don't uh, currently offer like casinos and gambling and the ones that are all set up for that infrastructure wise, the ones that can make deals with like the fan duels and the DraftKings, right, that they were talking about. Um, they were promoting, promoting 27, the others are promoting 26. And at the end of the day, there's not going to be a whole lot of money left over for, um, for, to solve ho the homelessness issue, frankly. And even the money that would be, even if all the money went there, it'd still be a drop in the bucket as far as statewide initiatives and uh, around housing and homelessness. Um, but that won't stop the people who are behind Prop 27 from hyping the, the crap out of that angle. I mean, if you watch, if you see any of the ads for Prop 27 at this point, Almost none of them talk about online sports betting at all, right? It's not, uh, and that's what leads me to believe that the that it, it is shadier and, and and squishier than we think because all they're talking about is the homelessness angle and and the funding that's going to go to solve homelessness. No one's talking at all in the twenty seven ads about what it's actually going to do. Um, so that leads me to believe that they they are cynically approaching this as they they want more money, they want to be able to do their business and expand their business, and they're going to use every you know, every, every, uh, le leverage point that they can. California is the Especially, most populous state. So why wouldn't a company <laughs> want to do business here? hundred percent. They'll spend as much money as they, they need to, to do it. It's a huge business opportunity for them. Um, and they're right to, to really, to cynically use the homelessness issue for their benefit, right? It's a huge issue right now. It's a very prevalent issue. Everyone wants to do something about it. And if it can be in some sort of, you know, ethereal sense of like, um, Oh, we're just, you know, taxing people or uh, for gambling and paying for how to, to house people that way. Um, I don't have to feel you know, worried about it because it's not coming to my neighborhood. We're not going to house these people in my neighborhood. It's just some sort of thing where, Oh, we're just you're not my money either. I'm not a gambler. So, so uh, other people are solving the problem. Great. That's awesome. Yes. Let's vote for it. So I have a feeling it's going to do pretty well. Um, I'm very skeptical of, of the, the benefits of it. Much like with the stadium, it's the same, same concept to me. Um, the money's going to come in, but where is it actually going, right? And how much is going to have to be spent on regulation, and then how much is left over, quote unquote, for? So we're housing. going to have to lightning round these last four, just in the in the name Let's of do uh, it. time. So up next is Prop Let's Twenty Eight. It. it is about funding for arts and education. I mean, this is straightforward, right? But let's learn a little bit more. Music classes are often the first to go. But a coalition Aww. of educators, labor groups, musicians, and Hollywood actors say mm. arts and music are just as but important dude. as science, math, and reading. In November, California voters will decide if the state's yearly budget should mandate about $1 billion more for arts and music education. Hi, I'm Joe Hong. I'm the K-12 education reporter for CalMatters, and this is Proposition 28 in a Minute. Today, the state requires all of California's public school students to get some form of art instruction. But the quality of education can vary based on where you live. So Prop 28 was designed to give more money to districts that serve more students living in poverty. This measure won't raise taxes, but it will affect the budget. By law, California guarantees that about 40% of the state's general fund goes to education. Prop 28 would add 1% to that and dedicate it to arts instruction. For next year, that comes out to about an additional $1 billion. Districts would need to use most of that money to hire teachers for art, music, or drama. Supporters of the measure say students need the space to express themselves now more than ever to overcome the mental health challenges brought on by the pandemic. The money would come out of the state's general fund, which currently has a surplus of nearly $100 billion. So for now, supporters say they don't anticipate any cuts from elsewhere in the state budget. Heading into the fall campaign, no individual or organization was spending money to oppose the measure. So vote yes if you want California to give more money to schools for art and music. And vote no if you don't. 
To learn more about this proposition and others, visit calmatters.org to stay up. Cool. So that one, that one's pretty straightforward. You're right. Uh, it looks like nobody's even spending any money to oppose it, which is crazy. The children. I mean, look at that. It's, it's, well, the thing is there might be some who like taxpayer hawks who are opposing it, like putting a statement out. Right. But not spending money because like, why, why would you waste your money? Right. Like to make a point, um, you're not going to beat the kids. There's just no way <laughs> kids in the arts, right? Ever it's feel good all across the board and it's not my money, right? It's like, Oh, money we already have. So, okay, great. You're not raising taxes. Great. So I'm, every time we do it. this, we end up with some kidney dialysis stuff that I don't fucking understand. And here's another one of those that we have. <laughs> it happens to keep putting it on the ballot. ballot in 2018, 2020, and it's here again. Yep, Californians will once again weigh in on a kidney dialysis measure. I'll explain. Hi, I'm Ana Ibarra, health reporter for Cal Matters, and this is Prop 29 in a minute. Similar to its predecessors, Prop 29 would add rules for dialysis clinics. Most notably, this measure would require clinics to have at least one physician, nurse practitioner, or physician assistant on site or in some cases remotely available. The initiative would also require clinics to report dialysis-related infections to the state and list physicians who have financial interest in clinics. The measure's proponent, the Health Workers Union, SEIU UHW, argues that Prop 29 would improve patient care and increase transparency. Despite its two previous losses, the union says it remains committed to reforming an industry dominated by large for-profit companies. The opposition campaign, supported by California's doctor lobby, among other medical groups, and financed largely by dialysis giants DeVita and Fresenius, says this is part of the labor group's ongoing fight to organize dialysis workers. They say having another medical professional on site is an unnecessary expense that could lead some clinics to cut their hours or shut down, potentially hurting patient access. So vote yes if you want more rules for dialysis clinics. Vote no if you don't. To learn more about this prop, yeah, they do. They do this every time. I have no idea. I don't even remember how I voted last time. Yeah, it's it's the, the it's true what she said there at the end. I mean, that's it. Really, is about um, uh, unions looking to organize healthcare workers in these facilities, and they absolutely do need uh, organizing because they do get mistreated, and the, these these companies have been uh, mistreating their employees. So they don't want to spend more money. The companies to pay their employees better, to hire more employees, to to serve their clients better. Um, and the unions don't want to back down and let these guys get, a, uh, get away with mistreating their employees. They keep bringing these reform measures forward. They keep failing because what happens is you get uh, seniors going on TV and commercials saying, I'm going to die if you vote yes on Proposition 29. And that's it. Like, there's just, there's no way around that. Like, just like the kids and arts, no one's going to vote against kids and the arts. No one's going to vote to kill grandma, right? Right. So the minute you say, oh, I'm going to die. And it's not the case, right? It's just like with the minimum wage. These companies, Kroger threatens to shut down because the minimum wage got increased. Well, if they do that, that's their choice because they just made a profit decision, not because they can't afford to pay their employees. These companies can absolutely afford to implement all these measures and still survive, um, but they're going to make the case because they have the money and they, they know it's success, a successful uh, message uh, that, you know, old people are going to die if they have to follow through with this. So Prop 30 seems like the interesting one. And I'm, uh, well, let's just let, let's let Cal Matters tell us a little bit about it. Seems like let's one go. of, it seems like this, like definitely the most interesting of the uh, measures this time around. Let's, let's check it out. We've talked about it a little bit before. California, it's known for its stunning beaches, redwood forests, sunny weather, and dirty air. It has some of the worst air quality in the country. State data shows that more than 90% of Californians breathe unhealthy levels of air pollutants. 
To reduce air pollution and greenhouse emissions, Governor Gavin Newsom has asked the Air Resources Board to ban the sale of all new gas-powered cars by 2035. So, how will the state meet its goal and who's going to pay for it? Voters will help decide this in November. Hi, I'm Nadia Lopez. I cover the environment for CalMatters, and this is Prop 30 Explained in One Minute. Prop 30 would impose a 1.75% income tax increase on Californians making more than $2 million per year. The tax would generate up to $4.5 billion annually. Most of the money would go toward rebates for people buying zero-emission cars and to build more charging stations. Half of that funding will go to low- and middle-income residents. A quarter of the money would provide funding to hire and train firefighters. The measure is backed by environmentalists and public health groups and is funded largely by the rideshare company Lyft. State regulations require Lyft and Uber drivers by 2030 to log 90% of their miles in electric vehicles. Supporters say the tax would generate much-needed funding to support wildfire prevention and help accelerate the transition to electric cars. They say the state's top earners should foot the bill since they're the ones most able to afford it. But opponents, including the state Republican Party and Governor Newsom, say Californians don't need more tax hikes because everyone is already feeling the effects of high inflation and surging gas prices. They argue that the tax would drive many residents out of the state to benefit a special interest, rideshare companies. Vote yes if you think millionaires should be taxed to help fund electric car rebates and more firefighters. Vote no if you don't. To learn about this proposition, others visit Cal... So maybe we'll do a, a bit of a, a dive on Prop 30 next week because it seems like an interesting one and it seems like there's a lot going on and we certainly certainly up against it here and don't have time for it this week. But there's definitely yeah, a lot going on there. Yeah, we covered it a little bit, I think, in a previous episode when Gavin first came out against this. Um, and interesting bedfellows it has made, for sure. So let's, yeah, let's let's flag that one for a future reference. And then, uh, finally, one I'd forgotten about, but this is Prop 31 having to do with us. Uh, uh, flavored tobacco, Producer Dave, one of our favorite subjects. In 2020, California lawmakers voted to prohibit the sale of flavored vape, chewing tobacco, and menthol cigarettes. No more tobacco in flavors like cotton candy, mango, and honey. But it hasn't taken effect yet because the tobacco industry collected enough signatures to put a referendum on California's November ballot. Hi, I'm Elizabeth Aguilera, reporter for CalMatters, and this is Proposition 31 in under a minute. Prop 31 asks voters whether they want California's flavored tobacco ban to go into effect. The federal government already banned flavored cigarettes except for menthol and has proposed banning those too. It's also banned pre-filled flavored vape pods, but not other flavored vape cartridges. All of those would be outlawed in California if voters back Prop 31. Advocates of the wider flavor ban argue that flavored products are marketed to and attract children and teens who go on to develop nicotine addiction. Opponents of the ban say the state already makes it illegal to sell tobacco products to minors and that this law infringes on the freedoms of adults. At least 60 California cities and counties already ban selling some flavored tobacco products and menthol cigarettes. Those regulations won't change if the law is voted down. Vote yes if you want the law banning flavored tobacco in California to go into effect. Vote no if you want to strike down the state ban and allow the sale of flavored tobacco products. To learn more about this proposition and others. Well, how do you feel about this one, Perceive? Why don't I hear you? Why can't I hear you? Why can't I hear you? What happened? I'm going to vote no because I vape. Oh, there you go. well, there you go. Uh, yeah, th I thought this might be one of those weird referendums where you have to vote yes to mean no or no to mean yes, but it's actually pretty straightforward. If you want the ban to go through, you vote yes. If you want it to, you're opposed to it, vote no. 
Um, I tend to, I, I can agree. I can see both sides. I tend, I tend to side with less, you know, you know, don't create redundant regulations, right? If you already ban the sale of uh, tobacco products to 18 year olds or to kids 18 and uh, under 18, right? Under 21. Uh, you're covering your, you're co sorry. Yeah. You're covering your bases. I don't understand why you need an additional ban on this. If, if your argument, if your primary argument is these flavored products are being used to market to kids, right? If you're already outlawing sale to minors, then why do you need more regulation, right? Like enforce the damn law that you have on the books. <laughs> Make sure people aren't selling tobacco products to minors, period, right? And only to, to adults like me and producer Dave. That, that's right. Um, and, and not for nothing, like for a lot of people, vapes and flavored vape are harm reduction where they use it as a kind of a crutch to get off cigarettes. So Very true. Very true. Very true. Um, um, want, want to read us out? Uh, can definitely do that, and we can save another thing for later on. But um, thank you all for joining us for another week of uh, Down Ballot here on Echoplex Media. Please check us out uh, on echoplexmedia.com. Look for all the ways you can connect with us. Give us your money. We want it all. Um, and I uh, hope you all will enjoy the uh, local love tonight. Um, and join us for future ba uh, ballot box bingo as uh, the ballots come out this week. Um, and we've got our ballots today, the, the good wife and I. Um, Me too. So, uh, so we'll look at uh, in future episodes we'll look at the San Jose mayor's race again uh, we'll look at some uh, local measures that aren't a whole lot of really interesting ones out there um, and we will definitely take a deep dive into Prop 30 um, I think that's a great idea um, so please look forward to future Down Ballot episodes stay cool get vaccinated and pants are optional <laughs> To get the party started Pick up my phone just to check and see who's calling Dress up real nice for the ladies at the bar And I'm driving in my car just to get to where they are Here at the local scene is where I plant my feet It's where I smoke my cigarette and I hold my drink I look at all my friends, they're all blazing greens Here at the front of the stage waiting for FTV Where are those guys who's standing next to me With a pipe in his hand ready to blaze for me About five minutes later we're all singing Queen to get the fuck up on Just when the magic starts kicking in Now here we left playing and you know it's time to head in Alright everybody, now it's time to grab a new drink Spark it if you got it and then pass it to me, yeah We do what we want And what we want is to jam So sit back and enjoy the band We do what we want What we want to do And what we want is to jam So sit back and Enjoy the band, enjoy that band. Last up on the for the show tonight. It's down and dirty in five, so we're headed outside. Just spark up another joint now. Who's got my light? A stoner E, of course. Shouldn't you be inside? I'm all up in this bitch, being who I gotta be. I'm fucked up like the U.S. economy. The truth is, is that I don't think.
take you on a psychedelic odyssey Now inside motherfuckers is rockin' me And outside shit we smoke a lot of broccoli Rockin' the rolly, all that sexy girl be jockin' me Ain't too drunk to fuck, but don't probably do it sloppily We do what we want and what we want is to jam So sit back and enjoy the band Dance with the band and enjoy the band We do what we want And what we want is to jam So sit back and enjoy the band Media streams seven days a week on twitch.tv slash echoplexmedia. With a variety of hosts and topics, there's bound to be something you'll like or hate so much you can't stop watching it. All times are Pacific. Check out our full schedule at echoplexmedia.com.